In this week's parasha, Parashas Chayisara, we have a very, very interesting insight into the parasha. And as we always say every single week, there's so much to discuss. There's always a, you know, so much choice that we can choose what to speak about. But I always like to pick one thing every single week that I believe we can learn from and we can actually take a lesson from this week's parasha. So in the parasha this week, it starts us as follows. Famous, famous Pasuk that everybody, all the Mephoshim are busy with. What is going on in this Pasuk? A very interesting Pasuk. And there's a lot to talk about in this, in this Pasuk. Last year, I spoke about a different Nakuda about this. This year, I'm taking the same Pasuk and learning a slightly different lesson from it. Pasuk Pshat. Pasuk Pshat. In the Pasuk is basically that a person reaches a milestone of a hundred years old, and then twenty, and then another seven years, what a gift of life, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. That's Pashupshat. True, the Pasha could have said that Sarah lived 127 years, but it said a hundred, and then twenty, and then seven. That's a milestone. It's a wonderful thing. You know, in England you get a telegram, you get a letter from the Queen of England when you have reached 100 years old. It's changed already. I don't know. Okay, so that's what happens over there. So 100 years old is a milestone. It's a real thing. 20 years, another 20 years, 7, another 7. That's Poshupshap. However, Rashi has a slightly different way of learning this week's parasha. Rashi learns, Lekach nichtav shona b'chol klal v'chlal says Rashi, why does it say 100 years, 20 years, 7 years? Listen to what Rashi says. Loi melechot, to tell you. When she was a hundred years old, she was like twenty in regards to what? Hate. Sin. Just like a twenty-year-old didn't sin that much, because you don't have that much time. You're only twenty years old. A hundred, you've lived another eighty years, says Rashi, Sora Imenu, in regards to sinning, was the same at the age of a hundred than a girl at the age of twenty. Continues Rashi. Continues Rashi. Because she's not a Basunshin until 20. She was the same thing. She was already mummish, completely clean, a clean slate of Averis at the age of 100, just like a person at the age of 20. Continues Rashi. That she was at the age of 20, like a seven year old in beauty. So Rashi gives a very interesting explanation to why the Possuk specifically says Shona, Shona, Shona three times. But I would like to explain something else. The Posak. Okay, a hundred, twenty, seven. Hundred and twenty-seven. Continues the Posak. These were the years that Sora lived. Now everybody is bothered by that. Why is the Posak saying that? The Posak just said, How long did Sarah live? Oh, the years of life that Sarah made live. 127 years. These were the years of Sarah. Once again, that's a little bit extra, right? That's a little bit extra. Says Rashi, Rabbi Sai. Says Rashi. And these three words I'd like to explain tonight a big yesoid, which I really, really believe. That if we internalize and we appreciate the lesson that we're about to learn tonight, I really, really believe that it can make our lives a much, much simpler and a much better and a much happier life. 
And it's a very, very simple thing. Three words. Listen to the words that Rashi says on Shnei Chayei Sora, the years that Sora lived. It says Rashi, Kulon Shavin Latoiva. All 127 years, says Rashi, were all equal in goodness. Now that's a very interesting statement, Rashi. Why is that an interesting statement? Because if we were to go a little bit back, let's make a time, let's make an idea of Sora Menu's life. She didn't live such an easy life. Sora didn't have such a happy life. She didn't have such an easy life either. She lived through a famine. We understand she was taken and kidnapped by Parah and then eventually by Avimelech. These were not pleasant people to be kidnapped by. She was childless her entire, almost her entire life, till the end of her life. And then, Baruch Hashem, she was Zoycha to have Yitzchak. But she was childless. Do you know what the pain it is of being childless year after year after year? That's not fun. That's not toiv. And then she died tragically last week's parasha. We mentioned she died. When she heard that her son was almost shechted, she died. This is called Kulun Taiva. This is what Rashi means that Sora Imenu's life, 127 years, was all good. How could that be? So Shlomo Yosef Zevin's Zatzal quotes the famous Bosak in Shemois Paraglam and Gimel, Bosak of Gimel, the Pasuk says, when Moshe Rabbeinu asked the Rabbeinu Shalom, let me see your face. What did the Rabbeinu Shalom answer? The Rabbeinu Shalom said, oh no, nobody sees my face and lives. It's impossible. You can see my back, but you're not going to see my face. That was the answer that the Rabbeinu Shalom gave Moshe Rabbeinu when Moshe asked to see the Rabbeinu Shalom's face. What was HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying? What HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying is, there are many things that happen in this world. There are many things that happen to us. And we don't understand them. We can't see the face of them. In the beginning, originally, when it's on face value, we don't see it. We don't understand it. It's difficult for us. And that's what the Rabbani Shalom is saying. There are many things that happen and you won't be able to comprehend them. You won't be able to see my face. You won't understand what I'm doing and my master plan. But the back you'll see. Eventually you'll see everything was for the good. Eventually you'll see that everything was for the right reason and everything was for your good. And therefore as follows. This is Klal Yisrael. This is the life of a Yid. This is the life of Klal Yisrael that there are many things that happen to us throughout our lifetime that may not be so pleasant. That we don't understand why they're happening to us. But at the end of the day, it's happening for our good. It's happening, we may not realize it, we may not see it, we may not understand it. But that's how it is. And that's what we're saying over here. Right before they sang the Shira Oz Yoshe Moshe. Right before. They believed in the Rabbi Shalom and Moshe. His Ebed says the Kedushas Levi, when did they say this? Everybody thinks they said it when the sea split. Wow, we saw this most amazing thing. Twelve tunnels and things and drinks and food, everything. Come on, what an amazing thing. Oh, Oz Yoshe! Says the Kedushas Levi, that's not what happened. Says the Kedushas Levi, they said Oz Yoshe, you know when? When the water was by their neck. They were walking in, 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 and it was getting higher and higher, and it reached their neck. And then they stood up and they said, Oz Yashi! Praising the Rabbi Nishalayla. Why? Because they believed. 
And when a person believes, he knows that everything that happens is for the toif. Everything! It might look terrible, it might look horrible, we may not understand it, we may not see it, but it's all for our good. And that's the way Boi Nisham does. There's a Gemara, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Sadibesam and Beis, where the Gemara tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to sing Shira to the Rabbi Shalaylam. And he wanted to sing Shira, and it's brought down that a Malach came along, a Malach, and slapped Nebuchadnezzar on his face. Right before he said Shira, and the Rafoshim asked, what, what, what's, up, what's up with that? Slapped Nebuchadnezzar on his face. It bothered you that he's saying Shira. It bothered you that he wanted to praise the Rabbi Nishra and this wicked king. Wanted to praise Hashem. What do you care? Say the Mephoshim, listen to this. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar, you want to sing Shira? It's easy for you. Everything's good. Life is wonderful. Everything's comfortable. You have a crown on your head. You have all the power in the world. Yeah, then it's easy to say Shira. Slap you on the face. Let it be difficult. Now let's see if you want to sing to Hashem. Now let's see if you really want to thank the Rabbi Shalaylam. And only Klali Sol can do this. Klali Sol are made up. It's in our body. It's in our blood. It's infused in every cell that's in our body. That we are miming. We believe in the Rabbi Shalaylam. And whatever happens, call the Ovid Rahman and the Tav Ovid. That's exactly the plan in this week's parasha. In this week's parasha, Chazal Rashi over here is telling us such a yisoid. Such a tremendous lesson, which again I said in the beginning, and I believe this again and again and again. If we understand, if you are listening to what I'm saying and you internalize the message, you'll hear a message that will help you for the rest of your life. And that was the message that Rashi is telling us in Sarah Amenu's life. Yeah, life's difficult. Life has its challenges. But you know what? To Sarah Amenu, the years of suffering and famine... The years of being kidnapped by terrible people. The years of being childless. The years of everything she went through. Was all kulon the taiva. It was all good. Because Sora looked at it that way. And every year, yes, there were good times. I'm sure when Yitzhak were born, there was a big simcha and it was very gishmak. But every year, not only the good times, even the bad times. They weren't bad. Kulon the taiva. And that's what Rashi is telling us. Rashi's telling us how to look at life. You want to have a happy life? You know how many people have sad lives, upset lives, pressurized life, stressed life. You know why? Because everything that happens to them, whether it be in business, whether it be with their marriage, whether it be with their kids, whether it be with their health, is a worry that they've taken upon themselves. And they don't realize it's not their worry, it's the Rabbeinu Shulalim's worry. Name is Misa. I'm not sure if it's a real Misa or not. Of a rich man that's traveling along the road and he sees... A poor man that's carrying this huge ragsack. Now this rich man is in a nice big fancy carriage drawn by a couple of horses. You know, it's great. He sees this poor guy there, Nebuch, he's schlepping this huge ragsack. So he stops, he tells the guy driving, he says, do me a favor, stop for a moment, let him on. So that he calls out the window, maybe come inside, come inside. So the poor man says, yeah, really? Wow, that's so nice of you. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And he steps up onto the carriage and he comes in. And the rich man is wondering, you know, he's got his backpack still on his back and it's very heavy so after a few minutes maybe thought put it down in a few minutes I don't know after a few minutes he says him, why don't you put down your bag also so the says no 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 I can't do that too. that's not fair it's enough that you're carrying me you have to carry my rucksack also I mean it's ridiculous right because the same thing that's carrying him is carrying the rucksack but we don't realize it we think we're carrying ourselves the Rebbeinu is carrying us on his shoulders Kaviyochel 
And it's something that Rashi is telling us. Kula Latoiv, it's all by perspective. How do you look at it? But it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper that we have to have an understanding that the Rabbinishtam is running the world. Everything comes from above. There was a man from England that went to Miami for holiday. He went for a vacation to Miami for a few weeks. Unfortunately, what happened over there, he suffered from some kind of terrible heart attack. It was a, it was a sudden thing. He was a young man. And he went to hospital. And he was in hospital for 14 days. The cost, he was not insured, of this hospital stay was $30,000. That's how much it cost. He was so upset. $30,000. All I do is I went to Miami for a vacation. I wanted a few minutes of peace. $30,000 in 14 days. I've never spent so much time, so much money in 10 years. So he called up his Rebbe. He said, Rebbe, why is this happening to me? What's going on? What have I done wrong? Do you know what the Rebbe said? The Rebbe told him, listen here. It was decreed in Shemayim that in the coming year, you would lose $30,000 to medical expenses. Can you imagine $30,000 spread over an entire year is hospital visits and this problem and that problem and this problem. This way it was all concentrated into one. One time, 14 days, and you're potted for the rest of the year. We have to realize, we might not understand it, it might not make sense to us, but kula Natoiva. That's something that we have to understand. I was recently in Cholamoid, in a certain place here in Eretz and there was a girl there who had, um, she was meant to get married two weeks later, and the chassan got cold feet. Chassan got cold feet, he decided two weeks for the chassana, I don't know, I can't go ahead with this, I'm not doing this anymore. For whatever reason, that's not the point. It doesn't make a difference. Can you imagine this color was heartbroken? Completely heartbroken. But like, literally heartbroken. This was, she was all excited for the chassan, she had her dress, and she had the shaitels, and the wedding hall was booked, and the invitation, and all the friends, and everything. It was just exciting. And then, in a minute, he decided it's all over. And she was crushed. And I watched something very, very interesting. There was a Hasidish fellow from New York who was also in the same place. And um, he was a very nice person. He went over to this girl. He didn't, I watched, he didn't look her in the face, but he sat down next to her and he explained to her. He said, I want to tell you a story. He said, myself and my wife were Zoycha to have one child. We were only Zoycha to have one child. And it was a girl. And this girl, you can imagine, was, you know, looked after like a princess. A princess. We gave her everything she needed. And she was a good girl. So much so that he told us what he was saying over. I was listening at the time. He said that when she went to the chuppah, so he said, my dear daughter, I want to tell you something. In all the years, maybe 18 years of being alive, you've never given your parents one moment of agmas nefesh. Never, never. Not in school, not at home. You've just been the perfect child. Can you imagine the love that they have for this only child that finally went to the chuppah? The excitement of seeing her husband and then she became pregnant. A child, a grandchild. It was exciting. The couple, the young newly married couple with their three-month-old baby were driving from the Catskills to New York and they uh, got into a car crash. The two parents were instantly killed. His only daughter was killed. His only son-in-law was killed instantly. And the three-month-old baby came out of the car without one scratch. And Nace, that's unbelievable. He actually showed me the child. He said, look, you see that nine-year-old boy? That's my grandchild, but we raise him right now because he hasn't got any parents. And this man, you can understand the, year, the suffering, the pain that he had of losing his only daughter. His whole family, this was it. This was his nachas. And he lost him in a minute. And he said, and he was talking to this girl, he said, I want to tell you, I know now life is difficult and it's hard and we don't understand why and we can't understand and it's difficult for us to understand. But everything happens for a reason. And we have to be happy. And when I heard that from him, I said, that, that's just wow. How do you do that? 
The koichas, we should never know, we should never ever know such a thing. But to go through such a thing and come out and be happy and go to somebody else and tell them, I went through something bad as well, be happy. Whatever the Rebbein Yishram does is good. That's a perspective, that's a sorry main. that's cool on the toiva. That's a Rashi saying in this week's parasha. That's what it means to cool on the toiva. It's an unbelievable thing. I'll tell you something else, very interesting. There was a, um, a fellow wanted a job in a certain cheder. It was a cheder for kids that are known to be very hyperactive and gishmak and labadik. Anyway, so he goes, he knocks on the uh, manal, on the principal's door. He says, I'd like a job teaching in this cheder. So the says, ho, 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 this is some cheder. Like, you know, you've got to have serious credentials to get in over here. She says, try me, no problem, I can manage. He says, no problem. Let's do an example of a class. So you go into the class, and they give this new rabbi a job. You're teaching the class. The principal's sitting, the manal sitting right at the back of the class, and he's watching what's going on. And at first he's teaching, you know, Beratius Borele, Kim, Olive Base, you know, all the geschmack and everything interesting. And all of a sudden what happens is, the, um, one of the children start, you know, messing around and jumping up and down. So it's like a whole thing. So he's, uh, he ignores it, no problem whatsoever. He ignores the whole thing. And then a few minutes later, a paper aeroplane starts flying across the, you know, across the room over there. He ignores it, he continues to learn. A few guys are fighting over there, he settles them down. A few people over there are jumping up or down on their chairs, he puts them back down again. With the patience that he had, it was unbelievable. At the end of the class, the Manal took him in and said, Wow, that was amazing. I don't know how you, I don't know how you managed that. You are hired. You can, you can teach in this head, no problem. And when he left the Manal's office, he saw those same kids that were messing around in his classes, making life difficult for him, trying him out, messing the teacher up. And he said to them, I want to thank you. Because because of what you did, I got a job now and I can support my family. And it's the most amazing thing. Because sometimes through the nisyonis, through the difficulties, if you learn to see the good, it makes it so much easier. This, man, this teacher saw that these situations, these problems were only for his credit, they were for his good, they were for his advantage. It helped him. Halavai, we would recognize the same thing. And again, Rabbi said, it's not about Chas going through something bad. Because we're only young. And in Mitzvah Shem, we'll be living till 120 years. And things may happen throughout our life that are not so comfortable. And if we start working on it now, in the younger years... And we work on the small things, not the big things. We should never know big things. But there's always these small little things that are not comfortable, things that are not going our way, that we wish they would. If we start now working on it, if something comes up that's not so gishmak, that's not so comfortable, that we don't see the reason why, but we've worked on it, and we know, and it's internalized, that whatever happens, called over Rechman on the top of it. It has to be for the good. Kul on the toiva. Rashi, this week's parasha, Chayzer. Tremendous, tremendous thing. I just want to end with one unbelievable Misa. Tremendous Misa. Again, these are, these are things that we have to really internalize. These are things that we have to go over at all time to know and to understand and to realize that the Rabboni Shalom is running the world in no way. It's an unbelievable thing. Somebody once went to the Kotzke Rebbe and it came to the Kotzke Rebbe with the following Shaila. They said, I'm a tremendously, tremendously, tremendously wealthy person. I'm a multi-millionaire. My minhag was that every single week I would buy a lottery ticket. I also had one of the cleaner, the people in my house that was in charge of the cleaning. She also, Jewish woman, she also bought a lottery. She liked my minhag. And every single week she also bought a lottery ticket. And every week I would check to see if any of our lottery tickets made the jackpot. So a couple of years after, you know, that minhag started... He lost all his money. Mamish, you can't imagine. From being such a wealthy man, he was a pauper. He was never nothing. He was poor. 
not only that, to add, you know, to, add to the wound that he already suffered, his wife Nebuchadnezzar was nifter as well. So he's got no money, and he's got no wife. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, what happens is, he realizes he checks the lottery, and not his card, but his head cleaner, this Jewish woman that's been working in his house for years and years, won the jackpot. She won the jackpot. And he was all excited. So he decides he has a great idea. He's got no money. He's got no wife. Let him marry this woman. And if he marries this woman, A, he'll have a wife, and B, he'll have all the money. He's able to spend his money and be able to have a rich, fancy life once again. So he's all excited with his idea. And he decides to ask a shatkan to, you know, to suggest it, and he does. The shatkan asks to suggest it. He says, no problem. And they have an engagement, and everything's exciting, and everything's wonderful. But this lady has no idea that the reason that she was asked to be his wife was half the reason was because, you know, he wants a share in the lottery ticket. And somewhere along the lines, after they were married already, she found out that this was the situation. And when he starts asking her, let's work out the bank details and the money and this transfers and lottery ticket. She says, no, 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 you don't understand. That lottery ticket is not really mine. I actually sold that to my father, so it doesn't actually belong to me, it belongs to my father. She thought, no big deal. He's like, devastated, devastated. And he goes to the Kotzko Rebbe and said, Rebbe, I want a divorce. I don't want to marry this woman. Only because they married us because of that. And look what happened. Kotzko Rebbe says, don't you realize who's running the world? Don't you see what's going on that the Rebbe is about to make you lose all your money, your wife to die. Why? To marry that woman. Yeah, the way it was orchestrated was through the lottery ticket. But the Rabbi who runs the world. And when things don't go our way, we get upset. We get angry. We get sad. Where is God? You know, there's people that ask, where was God in the Holocaust? No such question to be asked. Not going through the history right now. Rabbi said, when things don't go our way, we're so quick to say, hey, where's God? But he's with us. Holding our, holding our hand. It's an unbelievable thing. I want to end with two things. There's a Yid. There was a Yid in Manchester, England, by the name of Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Weiss. I knew him, way, I knew him quite well, actually. And he was a Yid. was an Alta Hasid Shayid. That was a shaykhet for many, many years. And he said over every single Pesach, he said over the story of how he escaped from the concentration camps. He was in, the, he was in Auschwitz and he was in the concentration camps. And he always used to tell his fellow people over there, all the inmates over there, don't worry, we'll be saved. Always have faith, always have faith. Yeah, things are not going good, but Be'ez Hashem, we'll be out of here. And they all in Michigan, know what are you saying? No way we're getting out of here alive. Forget about it. Who knows what tomorrow's going to bring? Forget about it. And at one point, he said over that he was rounded up and he was actually placed into the gas chambers itself as the next group of people that were going to be gassed to death. And he kept on saying to the people around him, don't worry, don't worry, it's going to be good, Hashem will save us. And look at him saying, listen, you said it before, no, but now we're locked in the chambers here. They're going to be turning on the gas soon. Rabbi Say, he said over the mice, I heard this from him, I know him himself, I'm sure many people here also know who I'm talking about. He said that at that moment, all of a sudden, the door opened up. They needed somebody. They needed manpower. He was a big man. Big man. If anybody here saw him, he was a real hold. He was a real unbelievable person. They needed someone with strength, and he was the right person. They called him out. He came out. They closed the door, and they gassed everybody to death. That's what happens. HaKadosh Baruch can save us at one moment. We just have to believe it. Everything is good. Everything can be good. There was a person, Nebuch, who went through... A terrible situation, a terrible car crash. And he was a child of 17 years old, sitting in a coma in a hospital somewhere in America. 
and his parents 24 hours a day for days and days were sitting by his side waiting for the moment that he would wake up and regain consciousness and it wasn't happening it just wasn't happening and the doctors were saying listen if he's not responding to you there's nothing we can do for him anymore eventually we're going to have to take him off the machine and the parents you can imagine parents the Yiddish parents we don't do these things we don't do this. We don't do these things. And they begged and they begged. And the doctor said, listen, he's not responding for weeks. He's not responding. We're going to have to take him off. And when you take him off, there's no return. So the parents were holding the boy's hand a day before the decision had to be made. And they told him, Yankala, respond. Shake the hand. Move the hand. Squeeze the hand. Do something before it's too late. And that's exactly what happened. A few hours before the final decision had to be made, they were holding his hand and finally they felt something. Something small. But they felt a squeeze. And it was that squeeze that saved his life and was able to him to continue. What we have to realize is the Rabbi Nishan waits for us as well. The Rabbi Nishan wants us to believe in him and believe that everything he does is good and it is good. Again, Rabbi said this week's parish of Rashi. Everything is good. We might not look it. We might not understand it. We might not see the face value. But eventually we will. I once had a beautiful marshal. If you ever saw a tapestry, a tapestry is made where they, you know, they put the strings in, the stitches in, in a way that if you look on the wrong side, it looks like a big mess. I'm not talking about a big mess. But if you turn it over, you see a beautiful picture. That's exactly what life is. It might in this world look like a mess. What's going on? This one got elected. And what's going on in Eretz Yisrael? It's a mess. But in Shemaim, you turn over the picture. The threads are going exactly in the right place to form the most beautiful picture you've ever seen. Rabbi Sai, I believe if we internalize this message, our life, our future, and anything that happens to us will be a whole different life. Because everything is kulon the toiva. And Be'ez HaShem, we shall have siyat to see it that way. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.